0: Good evening, my friends. Welcome to Hitchens on Horror. I am your host, Josh Hitchens, and this is Twelve Nights of Terror, where we explore the best in holiday fear. This is night number six, 3615, code Père Noël. All right, my friends, so we are going from Silent Night, Deadly Night, perhaps one of the most notorious killer Santa movies, to a killer Santa movie that until very recently was not really known in the United States at all. Um, It is a French film, a great French film, uh, whose original title is 3615 Code Père Noël. Uh, It is known by many other titles uh, throughout the rest of the world, including Dial Code Santa Claus, Game Over, Hide and Freak, uh, and it is most frequently known now in the United States under the title Deadly Games, which... Is not my favorite title. I mean, I if you're going to Amer to Americanize the language of the title, I think dial code Santa Claus is a much more fitting title for this film than Deadly Games because Deadly Games could really be about anything. Um, but whatever. Uh, this movie was not released in the United States until 2018. Uh, It was restored and had its North American premiere at um, the Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas. And the response to this movie was overwhelmingly positive. People were blown away by it. We're like, oh my God, this is an incredible film. And it is. Um, And people also started talking about another thing about this movie and that, hmm, Home Alone is very, very similar to this film because 3615 Noel came out in 1989. Home Alone, of course, came out in 1990, was a phenomenal, phenomenal box office hit. Um, All across the world made hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, And I love Home Alone. It is one of those great Christmas movies I watch every year. It's fantastic. But the director of um, this of I'll just call it Deadly Games, just since that's what most people know it as. The director of Deadly Games, Rene Manzur, uh, directly accused the makers of Home Alone of plagiarism. He straight up said, they remade my movie. And he seriously considered suing the studio and the makers of Home Alone for plagiarism. He ultimately decided not to do that, you know, because Home Alone made so much money. Um, Even if Menzer won the case, you know, the legal costs to get to that point would be astronomical. So he just kind of kept quiet. Um, And when you watch Deadly Games, you really can't argue with the fact that Home Alone is a... To- is pretty much a rip-off of this movie. Um, it has a, a precocious young child at its center who is fighting off a dangerous um, home invader with elaborate booby traps and, you know, lot, lots of vi- crazy violence and stuff like that. Home Alone is um, a much safer movie. Um, one of the great things about Deadly Games is that it it does actually feel dangerous, you know. This this kid is is actual danger for his life as he tries to protect his grandpa. Um, but yeah, so it, this would make it, Deadly Games and Home Alone would make a really interesting double feature in and of themselves. But Deadly Games is definitely the movie that has teeth, um, because it wasn't necessarily made for fam to be family friendly. Um, certainly not. This is a fantastic film. It is an underrated masterpiece. It really is a gem. Brilliantly written and directed by René Manzor. Um, great performances. Uh, the cinematography by Michel Gaffier is absolutely stunningly beautiful. And because this movie, for the most part, is seen through the eyes of a child, so much of the movie... Uh, has this sort of Christmassy magic glow about it, even when it's super horrific. Um, just amazing, amazing, amazing cinematography. Um, and great editing by Christine Panzu as well. Um, so one thing that I do want to get out of the way before I talk more about this movie, um, again, I'm going to do a little bit of a content warning here. Um This movie uh, definitely should be listed on that website called Does the Dog Die? Because there is a dog in Deadly Games, and the dog does die. The dog is killed by the murder Santa. Um, And it's not one of those kills where the camera looks away. No, you see it happen. It's very, very unpleasant. Um, So I just wanted to warn folks about that right off the bat the dog does die in this movie um right in front of you the good thing is is that is very obvious when this is about to happen um but i'll just give you a little just to spell it out even more once santa claus uh comes down the chimney uh it's coming soon because then the dog comes for the intruder and things go how things go. Um, so you will definitely know when to look away. Um, if you are, uh, inclined to do so. Um, it's very, very sad. Shouldn't kill dogs or animals in movies. It's very upsetting. Um, so as, as I said, as I said, and is obvious with the names, uh, this is a French film and it was pretty successful in France, um, and elsewhere in Europe, um, at the 1990 Fanta festival, which is a festival, um, devoted to science fiction, fantasy, and horror films, um, that is held in Italy. Um, 3615 code Père Noël won best film and best director, um, deserved them both. And also, um, great performances in this movie, too. You have um, Alain Leland, uh who plays Thomas, who is the boy who just wants to see Santa Claus, um, and Patrick Florsheim as Père Noël, um, who is genuinely, genuinely creepy. And this is a good time uh, to talk a little bit about Christmas traditions in France because that comes into this movie. Um, so, in France, they have, you know, their Santa Claus is our Père Noël, Saint Nicholas. Uh, but one of the interesting things about French Christmas folklore is they also have a second Santa figure named Père Fouettard. Um, and I, I took six years of French, both in high school and college, um, and that's where I first learned about Père Foutard. Uh And Père Foutard means father whipper, um, sometimes translated as old man whipper. And the legend of Père Foutard goes that Père Foutard was... Uh, a man who wanted to rob these children who came to his inn, so he cut the children's throats and then chopped them up into bits and made them into a stew. And then Père Noël, Saint Nicholas, came by and saw what this man had done and he resurrected the children, brought them back to life. And uh, as punishment, uh, Père Fouettard now accompanies Père Noël, on his Christmas visits. And Père Noël is the good Santa who gives presents to all the good children in France. And then Père Fouettard is the sidekick Santa, the whipping Santa that for children who are bad, sure, you might get a a lump of coal instead of a present, but you're also going to get a beating. Um, And there are some depictions of Père Fouettard. Uh, that have him wielding a whip. Sometimes he has um, a bundle or a switch of sticks to beat children with. Um, so yeah, uh, that that's a fun, that's a fun little uh, French Christmas his- uh, folklore history lesson for y'all. Uh, and that the legend of Père Foutard goes back centuries. Um, I think to the twelve hundreds, something like that. If if I remember correctly. Uh, so it's interesting that. As we talk about all these murder Santa Claus movies, uh, there is a common theme that runs through all of them for the most part, especially the ones that we've talked about on this podcast, is that there's that idea of the dichotomy between good and bad, that the good children will get their, a good reward, but if you're bad, you will be punished. Uh, for breaking the rules. And uh, that definitely comes through in uh, uh, 3615 Code Pair Noel, um, AKA Deadly Games. So uh, this movie is also a really interesting kind of his uh, artifact of its historical moment being made in 1989 because it begins during the Christmas season where Thomas, who is our protagonist throughout the film, who has a fabulous mullet, by the way, one of the best mullets ever seen on film, uh, I would argue. And he's at the mall and he's using something called the Minitel. Um, and the Minitel was a very, very early version of the internet. Um, kind of like, very much like, uh, a search, a search engine chat room kind of combo. Um, and that explains the title because when you're using the Minitel, if you wanted to ask a question or search for something, you would type in the code 36.15 and then whatever you were searching for. And Thomas, uh, types that in and searches Santa Claus in this chat room and, uh, someone who is purport who says that he is Santa Claus, Père Noël, uh, answers Thomas, and Thomas uh, and manages to um, convince Thomas to give this strange Père Noël man over the internet his home address, uh, which leads to everything else that happens throughout this film. Uh, and so not only does it have, does this film feature a time capsule of a very, very early version of what would become the internet, uh, it also is a very, very early um, sort of a warning um, and cautionary tale about uh, not being careful who you're talking to on the internet because you don't know who might be on, the other end might be it. Might be a crazy man uh, who wants to kill you, um, which you know. I feel. I feel like a lot of movies, especially like American movies, didn't really uh, catch on to that until like the mid nineteen nineties. So I think in a lot of ways, uh, Deadly Games is very is also a, is a portrait of its time and also very ahead of its time as well, and. I have to talk um, about the performance of Patrick Florsheim, who plays the Paranoel in this movie. Um, he doesn't speak very much at all, and he doesn't, very few lines, but he doesn't really need a lot of lines because his face says it all, especially his eyes. Um, he just has a, a very creepy look to him, and like you look into his eyes and you can tell there's, what's going on in his head. And, um, as once he gets Thomas's address, he applies to be a Santa Claus at the mall, um, because he sees another mall Santa Claus being able to touch children. Uh, so there's that subtext as well. Um, I know we talked about this a little bit in, um, the previous episode of Silent Night, Deadly Night, of how creepy it is to, you know, force your child to sit on a strange man's lap when you don't know who that man is or what his interests might be. Um, So Deadly Games is also a movie that kind of goes in that direction. And once uh, this man, this crazy man becomes the Santa Claus at the mall, there's a really great scene where there's this Christmas fair going on with all these different like acrobats and, perf- and magicians and performers and there's snow falling and it just looks so idyllic and beautifully Christmas. And then there's the Santa with the crazy eyes and there's a little girl who's sitting on his lap just and just kind of staring at him and he starts stroking her cheek And she's staring at him. And finally she says, I don't like your face. You're not the real Père Noël. And she pulls down his beard and he becomes enraged and smacks her. Uh, And then, of course, he's fired from being Santa. Um, But I think that's that's a really great moment in, in this film. And I think a theme of this film in that the children see through this guy. Um, the adults necessarily, necessarily don't, at least not until it's too late, but the children immediately know that there's something off about this dude. Um, and then the killer Santa, um, has a great moment, very, very similar to the moment that Brandon Maggart has in Christmas Evil, um, if you remember that episode, uh, when, he put in Christmas Evil when Brandon Maggart puts on the Santa beard for the first time and he starts crying and then laughing and says, it's me, it's me. There's a very similar moment to that in um, Deadly Games where the killer Santa, um, he, he has an actual beard but he has brown hair and he finds some white spray paint or something like that and he starts spraying his hair and his beard white and as he's looking at himself in a mirror and he's becoming more and more and more like Santa Claus and he starts laughing this sort of insane crazy giggle. Um, and that I I just think it's a really great um, comparison between the between those two scenes, both equally effective. And then of course the killer Père Noel gets into Thomas's house, comes down through the chimney. Um, while Thomas is is watching from under a table, and then the dog dies. Um, the house and the house in this film is really extraordinary, and that's sort of the other side of this movie. And one of the many things I think makes it so exceptional and unique is that there's almost a like Tim Burton esque fantasy aspect to it, because the mansion that Thomas and his family. Live in looks almost like a castle it is gigantic and old and uh thomas is a is like is a tech wizard he has he has cameras set up in every room of the house and he has electronic controls and on his home computer he's got maps of the entire house so he's very very technically advanced for a child um but even even more fun than that is that Thomas has a Narnia closet where his closet opens and there's a false door that leads to a secret passage to this gigantic underground wonderland, really, that's filled with toys, kind of like a giant child's playroom, like the size of a huge cave underneath this big mansion. Um, and there's one scene where Thomas takes his grandfather down there and his grandfather's like, what, what is this place? Um, and Thomas says, it's a secret. Not even mom knows. It's just between me and dad. It's all my dad's toys, all his dad's toys and all our ancestors toys and all my toys will be here someday. So I think it's, it's almost like a, a fairy tale kind, kind of thing. Um, and, and, Be sure that all these secret passages and hidden rooms and such become a huge, big part of the plot of Deadly Games. Um, And I don't want to say too much about more about the plot of this movie, because I think part of the huge enjoyment of this film is not knowing where it's going. because it go it goes just crazy places that you're not expecting it to go, um, and just when you think you get to the moment where you know what's going on, the story's going the story's going to wrap up, then it goes off in an entirely different direction. Um, and again, I do have to give credit to Alan Lillan, um, who played Thomas, it, who's actually the uh, son of the writer director Rene Um and normally you might think, oh, nepotism, the director's casting his own kid as the lead in the movie, but he's absolutely fantastic. Um, aside, you know, he, he, I already mentioned the mullet, which is a thing of glory. But he, in the latter parts of the film, he becomes all, almost like a child Rambo and literally kind of looks like Rambo, um, warrior kind of thing. But at the same time, even though you have this really badass kid who is obviously precocious and uh talented with tech at such a young age he's also still just a child um who some who some who you know gets upset and sometimes like cries for his mom you know in the midst of all this um so it, it it's very realistic in that way very realistic portrayal of a child at that age it's not just that he goes into Rambo mode and like acts like an adult. No, he's still a little kid who is experiencing something really horrifying um, and doing everything he can to get out of it and save himself and his grandpa and defeat this killer pair, Noel. Um, so yeah, don't want to say too too much about more about the plot and how things go um, aside from that the dog dies. Um, Just can't say that enough. Be warned, be warned, be warned. But this is a truly, truly fantastic movie. Um, And, pardon me, one thing that I think it has in common with all the various Killer Santa films that we've talked about so far in this podcast is that um, Deadly Games, a.k.a. Three six one five code pair Noel, aka dial code Santa Claus, aka game over, aka Hide and freak. Um, it also has a tremendously powerful and effective final sentence, um, and I won't spoil it and say and say what it is, but it's it. Kind of like like the ending of Silent Night Deadly Night, like the ending of Christmas Evil. The very first time I saw this movie and that final line happened, I gasped. I was like, "Oh, um, it's great!" Um, and what's even better than that final line is that in the closing credits there is a song. Uh, sung by Bonnie Tyler, uh, called "Merry Christmas." That is an absolute jam. Um, it's a really, really terrific song. Um, I don't quite know what it's doing here. Um, and how or how it got here, and you know how Bonnie Tyler got hooked up with uh Rene Manzur in Paris. But it's a fantastic song. Um, really, really is, and ends the movie on a really, really um high note. Um, again, I can't recommend this movie enough. Uh, I so many people haven't seen it so many people don't know it even exists but it is absolutely fantastic hugely underrated I really honestly think it's a masterpiece it is just a hugely well crafted movie on every level of production and um, and where can you watch it? Uh, as of right now, anyway, in the United States, there is only one place you can watch this movie, and that is on Shudder, the horror streaming service. Um, that I sing the praise that I sing the praises of nearly every episode. Shudder, uh, www.shudder.com. Um, I think it's like five ninety nine a month. It is so worth it. It is my favorite streaming service. It's the streaming service that. I use more often than any other. They have terrific content, um, and new content coming all the time. Great original series. And, uh, not only can you watch this movie, uh, it's listed as Deadly Games on Shutter. Uh, not only can you watch it by itself, but you can also watch Deadly Games as part of the last drive-in hosted by Joe Bob Briggs, um, and his co-host Darcy the male girl aka Diana Prince uh, and Bob and Joe Bob and Darcy go into a lot more information about the trivia making of this film than I have time to do in just this you know half hour episode of the podcast um so I highly recommend checking that out um if you if you decide to take a chance on one Christmas horror movie that you've never seen this particular holiday season of 2021, I, I would encourage you to make it this one um, because it's hugely inventive and does does not go where you expect it to go. It's full of constant surprises and it's just a really terrific Christmas film. Full stop. And I do agree with the writer-director, Rene Menzer, that Home Alone totally ripped off this movie. So you can make it a double feature. You can watch Deadly Games and then you can watch Home Alone. Um, and uh, one final thing, you know, Deadly Games, as I say, is a much more realistic version of Home Alone because there there's so many memes out there um, that have come out in the past few years about Home Alone. Like, no, those two robbers would totally be dead after... You know, X, Y, Z booby trap, um, like that. The amount of physical harm that comes to those two robbers and Home Alone, the fact that they're still able to be like walking around and talk and talking and standing by the end of that movie, uh, not and not just dead, um, killed by Macaulay Culkin, um, is hugely unrealistic. But that's one of the great things about Deadly Games, in that it is very realistic in the way it portrays the injuries, um, that the diff, that different characters get through all of these fights and struggles and the booby traps and all that. Um, and so that by, by the end of the film, you know, the characters that are at the end of the film, like they, they, they've, ta- they've gone through some stuff. Um, they've taken, they've taken a beating. Um, <laughs> and eh, back to pair again. Uh, So, yeah, it's the more realistic Home Alone. But I think that would be a terrific Christmas double feature for y'all. So enjoy that. So check out Deadly Games, a.k.a. 3615 Code Pair Noel. One of the best Christmas horror movies, or best Christmas movies full stop, that you've probably never seen. I'd give it four stars. Check it out. My friends, thank you once again for joining me for the Hitchens on Horror podcast and our series of 12 Nights of Terror where we're exploring the best in holiday fear. Now... I know we've had a lot of Killer Santa Clauses the past few episodes, so we're going to take a break from the Killer Santa Claus. We're not leaving it entirely, but the movies that focus solely on Killer Santa Clauses, this is really the final one of those. And with this episode, we are now halfway through our 12 Nights of Terror. The next three movies that we are going to talk about on the next three nights have um, Christmas killers of very different kinds. And our next episode is going to be Misery, the acclaimed Stephen King adaptation from 1990 starring Kathy Bates. Is Misery a Christmas movie? Yes, it is. And we'll talk about why next time. Thanks again for joining me. I am your host, Josh Hitchens. Happy holidays, pleasant dreams, my friends.